This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase, go to squarespace.com and use offer code CFN. Comedy film nerds. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 208. My name is Graham Elwood. I'm Chris Mancini, and uh, this is a very special episode. It is. We are filming this. What? For video. Is that who these guys are? Yeah, that's yeah, the crew. <laughs> yeah. Yes. What's weird is not only are they filming it, they uh, work for us, which is also weird. <laughs> so they have yeah, not only do we have a crew, we own them, which is really weird. <laughs> At the end of the shoot, we yeah. are going to kill somebody. Yeah. <laughs> It's one of these lucky kids is going to get yeah. murdered, and it's gonna, good luck. Yeah, yeah. Going to do a little Hunger Games. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we should make them kill each other. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, yeah. in uh, Dark Knight Returns, where the Joker breaks <laughs> yeah. the pool cue and makes the guys fight each other. Yeah, who wants the job? Yeah, yeah. Come on. All right, somebody want maybe maybe we have a new DP on this film. Ooh, yeah, because the last one who was wants murdered. the job or who wants to keep interning? Let's see. <laughs> guys, want your checks to bounce? Maybe yeah. you, maybe you murder a guy. Um, <laughs> So yeah, we're very excited. This is uh, Earbuds, the podcasting doc. They're, they're shooting us. This is this is good business. But all of you listening at home, you cannot see these cameras. You will see this footage, I'm sure. Uh, when, at least four seconds of it. At least when the when the movie comes out. <laughs> yes. Unless you know we decide to cut out our own stuff, which we might do. We'll see. We might do. If mm-hmm. this is a really shitty segment, we're gonna. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's gonna end gonna up gonna on the cutting room floor, <laughs> and we'll have no one to blame but ourselves. <laughs> like, um. So, uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody that came out to uh, the Improv. I headlined their March this past weekend um, on the 22nd. It was great. Fun show. Um, thanks again um, to the comics that were on the show. Uh, Joe Sib, Lachlan Patterson, Lang Parker, and Jeff Tate. That's a good show. Yes, it is. And then this Sunday, of course, we will be at uh, Flappers in Burbank. March oh, that'll 30th. be fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. Good times. You're on the show. Andy Wood. Mm-hmm. Um, from uh, probably science, as I'm saying, and of mm-hmm. course Morgan Murphy, who writes for Two Broke Girls. Two Broke Girls, right on. Um, so let's um, let's introduce our guest. Why don't we introduce our guest? Mm-hmm. I should tell you that Flappers was not the original name of that comedy club. What was it going to be? The Meat Curtains. <laughs> <laughs> but there's one in Encino, and there was it was trademarked. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, meat so Curtains. Make sure we got that. Put that right in your. Oh, pocket. talk closer. Okay, up, thank boy. you. Um, so, uh, you've heard his, his dulcet tones, ladies and gentlemen, the, uh, the very funny and talented Mr. David Feldman. Comedian, writer, podcaster. Right. Can I tell you about my Kickstarter campaign? Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing a documentary about all the guys who are doing documentaries about podcasts. So we... Is it called Meat Curtain? It's called Meat Curtain. And it's, you go behind the Meat Curtain into the uvula of filmmaking. It's just following young... <laughs> upstart documentarians making a documentary about podcasting because you know there are millions of documentaries about sure. podcasts mm-hmm. they're all who so. cares yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're, 
they're pretty boring. Do I have any chance of ending up in the documentary? I always end up on the cutting room floor of well, documentaries. What do you think the common you denominator think that, is? Well, like, no, where no. would you? Who, who do you think that's up to? Graham and I, or uh, David well, Feldman, reading the script that you give me <laughs> properly. <laughs> And this time around, I'm not going to make any mistakes. You want cinema verite? I'll give you cinema verite right here. David says he's depressed and having marital problems. Okay, I can work off this. That's what we put on our list. Um, so Squarespace. Oh, wow, we're yeah. going right into a plug. Yeah, we're plug. going right into a plug. Okay. Let's do it. We're not going to talk about David's gold cell phone? When he sees me, he immediately thinks of a square. And And a space. And And a space. space. Yeah. Yeah. We actually were getting more emails for um, a lot of Squarespace websites because we have a lot of of very creative people who listen to the show. Uh We have people in the film business and uh, and TV and also... Graphic um, designers. Graphic designers, comic book people, and... uh, um, somebody emailed and I Can checked out their site. Can I mention my site. Kickstarter campaign? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm trying to raise money to make this... In the middle of an ad? Absolutely. This Go thing ahead. where it would be really easy to make a website. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I have an idea. <laughs> what, this is what's missing on the web. Oh, I want to have a website, but it's hard to design one. If only it the, is. If only there were like a drag and drop kind of way to design a website. Well, no, so my wait. Kickstarter campaign... Mm-hmm is to raise money to help me design this business where people would pay me and then I What's would... your funding goal? Uh, a couple billion dollars. Right. <laughs> and then we put this out on the web and then you could design your own website. You wouldn't have to hire anybody. That's exactly what Squarespace oh did. God. That's amazing. They, they stole did. my idea? Yeah, That's they, so weird. they absolutely yeah. stole your idea. Uh, and what, what is Squarespace? <laughs> <laughs> they... <laughs> I want to announce a Kickstarter campaign to sue... Squarespace for stealing an idea <laughs> that I have. David works in David public Feldman, radio, yeah. so he's the not used to fund. paid sponsor <laughs> read ad reads. He's used to just... Wait a second. Are you telling me that there's already... Yes. There's already a, a, a software program on the web that will design a... Yeah. So really? Squarespace.com and 10% God damn off. it! <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> Go ahead. Code CFN for 10% off. But we want to talk about one Squarespace site that got submitted to us that I checked out. It's uh, horror movie fans. They Mm -hmm. set up a, a site called 100 Lunatics. And it's uh, a great site. Yeah, and it's a it's they basically go and analyze over um uh, horror movies like Freddy and Jason and Freddy versus Jason and all that stuff. That you could go to the site, you could read the blog and listen to the podcast and it is a Squarespace site and you could see how easy it is to put together. It's like, you know, it's got like a great banner and you've got the mm-hmm. Twitter feed, everything you need to create um an easy uh website that's still visually dynamic. It's squarespace.com. Like you um, could you could do meatcurtains.com. You could do meatcurtains.com. <laughs> you could. Um, so 100lunatics.com. And how much does Squarespace charge for this? Well, it depends affordable. on the plan you want, but it's also it's very affordable. But you it's know a, what? You can oh. save 10% if you use yeah. coupon code coupon CFN. Code CFN. Why, why wouldn't you? You said it's affordable? Yes. Oh, my idea was completely different. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you were going to charge $1,500 yeah. an hour to host the website. Yeah. <laughs> David All right, I, don't, I feel better. My, my <laughs> idea, I, didn't, I didn't take my idea. <laughs> well, good luck with that billion dollars yeah. on Kickstarter. Good, good luck with that. Yep. Um, You're going to have to buy some Facebook ads. Yeah, right? yeah good luck. Um, all right, is there any other uh, announcement you think? Oh, here's a uh, big announcement. Um, We're shooting a documentary. What? Yeah. Um, 
what a horrible idea. Uh, <laughs> no, the, as for earbuds, this Sunday, uh, March 30th, if you are going to be in the Los Angeles area, we're going to be doing fan interviews at the Hollywood Improv, which is 8162 Melrose Avenue, between 1 and 5 on Sunday, March 30th. Come down. We'll interview you 5, 10 minutes. If you're in the area, come and just tell us why you love podcasting and, yeah. and all that stuff. And then we're doing it again for the following Sunday, April 6th, at the Nerd Melt Theater. Yes. And that's again from 1 to 5 p.m. Yep. And so come on down and just don't ruin it. Yeah. Don't don't be, mm-hmm. don't be don't Feldman it. Yeah. <laughs> don't... <laughs> <laughs> don't pull a Feldman. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't pull a Feldman. Come down and, and actually act like a goddamn reasonable human being. Yeah. Um, so, so good uh, luck, everybody. Good, good luck, assholes. Uh, that's how we get fans to be. Berate them. Um, so, all right, check that out. Well, let's uh, let's talk about these movies that came about, out. Let's, um, do, let's do it. I want to talk about the Muppets Most Wanted. Okay. And now, did you see the first one? Yes, I did. Yeah. I did see the first I, it was it was really a lot of fun, and I thought they really captured the spirit of the Muppets, and uh, I really loved the first one. Now, Jason Siegel was not involved in the sequel, mm-hmm. but here's the thing: it was still really fun. It was still a really good really? movie. It, it still captured the spirit and like the tone and the humor of the Muppets. Um, it was it quite as good. No, but the thing I love about it is um, they made that very self aware. The first musical number uh, that they did right when the movie began was about uh, them doing a sequel and how generally they're not quite as good as the first one. <laughs> really? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, so it was cool. And the music was fun. The acting was really good. There's a ton of, like, cameos. Ray Liotta's hilarious. Uh, and, Does he uh, play, like, a thuggy? He plays, like, a prisoner in a Russian gulag. And then they have to put on, like, a musical number. Then a show. <laughs> Does he <laughs> sing and dance? Yeah, it's really Because I was funny. just going to say, I don't think I could... Does and, Ray Liotta ever play... He's and, never played the, like... <laughs> Hey, it's Uncle yeah. Ray. Like he's coaches him, the kids' soccer team. Him and Danny Trejo. Yeah, they're in, they're, <laughs> they're in this Russian gulag trying to you know put on a song and dance number. That's Fourteen awesome. of Fay, who controls the gulag. So it makes perfect sense. <laughs> so it's really fun. It's a it's a heist movie, and it's the and Ricky Gervais does a really nice job. But the music's really good too. It's one of the guys uh, that uh, from Flight of the Concords did all the music. Oh, right. So uh, I think Jermaine Clement, I believe, yeah. his name. Um, who's also in it. And it, it's a really fun movie. It's one of those good family movies where, is it as great as the first one? No. But it's really fun. I mean, I liked it. My wife liked it. The kids liked it. It's one of those kids' movies or family movies that you can all go and enjoy and not uh, want to pull your Your kids loved it. Yeah, yeah. And, but, the, but, you know, the thing I like, too, is they hired actual comedians to do the songs and, you know, to actually be funny and actually not say this isn't a kid's movie. No, it's a Muppets movie. You could, you could be funny and still be family friendly. Well, that's the good. thing. Of, that's why the, Muppet, the Muppets work so well as the, the TV yeah. show that we all grew up watching was. Mm-hmm. It, it was for kids, but it wasn't – it never condescended. Right, to the exactly. Ch- you know what I mean? Like, I never mm-hmm. felt like I was being talked down to, like, right. some of those other children. Like, New Zoo Review. Yeah, oh, the yeah, I dumbest, remember that. most insulting, <laughs> stupid TV show yeah, that's yeah. ever been made. <laughs> and Muppets never did that. No, no. And it, it, it's good. There's a lot of, um, like, if you grew up with the Muppets, like, in the 70s, there's a lot of, like, references and um, to the old Muppets and the old shows. And, like, there's just, you know, and there's the ton of celebrity cameos, which are always really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone from Tony Bennett, Lady Gaga to Kermit. You know, Danny Kermit. Yeah, yeah, yeah Kermit. He made yeah. two appearances, I think. And, the, uh, and the, the fact that they do, um, you know, that his double is this, like, um, basically a supervillain. <laughs> all he has is the mm-hmm. bowl. It, 
on his face and he just loves blowing stuff up so uh one of the scenes like you never really see them fight like a like it's almost like a yoda fight like from one of the Mm -hmm. star wars prequels to see um kermit's double beat up a bunch of russian guards is pretty funny i i I saw the this this first uh, muppet film that came out a couple Mm -hmm. years ago I want to ask you, since how would you compare these two newer ones to the one that came out in the seventies, the the first Muppet movie? Well, it, the um, the first Muppet movie was really fun because it was like the first time they were on screen. Right? Was that all? Muppets Take Manhattan? Was no, that, the first that was one? the, the first I think one. That was, was the, just the Muppets movie, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was just the Muppet movie. Yeah. Right. And it it really felt like. Uh, uh, like the first movie, like the Muppets that just came out like uh, a year or two ago, felt like that first Muppets movie where it was like, this is kind of like a reintroduction and you, this is where we're going to put a bunch of celebrities on in each in each scene. And it's also, we're just going to kind of keep the charm and fun of the Muppets and just make like a road trip movie, which is what they did. Now the sequel, it's still good. It still has that charm, but you lose that kind of like, hey, they're back, that kind of nostalgia like we haven't seen you guys on screen in a while like you kind of lose that a little bit because it's a sequel we Mm -hmm. just saw them like a year Mm -hmm. or two ago but that that doesn't mean it's bad it's still fun it's still a good movie and it's it's definitely worth a uh a view and i thought they did a a really good job with it it was it was um it was funny fun it was a little too long but it was still good i mean ty burrell did a fantastic job too as like a an interpol agent who always wants to go on vacation uh, because he's you know he's european (laughs) um so it's it's good Recommended right. for so you, you they, and your family. You hope they keep making them. I do hope they keep making them. But it's a Disney thing, so I hope they don't ruin them either. We're like, well, we need one every year. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. Now let's take a break and well, come up with something the, great for the next one and then do another that's one. That's what happened with the original one. The Muppet movie came out in 1979, and then they right. started making there's a Muppet Take Manhattan. and The there's, Muppet Caper. The, all that. Yeah. That's when mm-hmm. it was like, no, man, just keep yeah, them yeah. special. Keep the Muppets mm-hmm. a... a a special thing. So, yeah. So, let's take a break now and then do another one or do something different with them now. <laughs> so, let's see what Disney does next with them. Henson's son passed away, right? I believe so, yeah. That's too bad. <laughs> I'm serious. I was... Well, Henson was great. I mean, um, and these films... He was young. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He died. It was like pneumonia or something. Oof. But uh, the, what I didn't realize, too, is that the Muppets basically split up. Like, what happens is... Um, the Muppets that were like on the Muppet Show, they mm-hmm. went to Disney, and the Muppets that are on Sesame Street, they're owned by Children's Television Workshop. So oh, okay. they all kind of beca- had like different owners, um, and then like the Muppets still retain the, all the the other characters and things that they created, like Jim Henson's Creature Shop, like that are not at Disney or uh, at Children's Television Workshop. All right. One of the great things about living in Hollywood is driving up La Brea. And you get to see Charlie Chaplin's studio, the Tudor design. Mm-hmm. And on top of it, I believe it's Kermit. Yeah. Yeah. The Charlie <laughs> Chaplin hat. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, I know. I remember I, I had like, I shot some. Pilot. President Kennedy? I shot him right there. Yeah. <laughs> what does that have to do with it? <laughs> oh, Henson was pulling the strings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was on the grassy knoll. You didn't <laughs> yeah, know this? Yeah. Um, well, I remember now. But like, I shot like, a, when I first moved here, I shot a pilot or something in that studio. And it was one of those things that I was like, this is yeah. old Hollywood. That is also new, but they kept the history up. Like right, that, that right. right there, Kermit with the Charlie Chaplin hat is one of those things that I love it when they keep the the cool tradition of Hollywood. Like I, I I love all that stuff and and that studio when they keep the charm of them and you can sort of 
it sounds weird, but it's you, you sort of almost feel the yeah. the vibe of like yeah yeah yeah. You walk around because they have people there who are historians at that studio. So like I, I was working there, and uh, after I was done blowing the guy, I looked up <laughs> and I said, "Are these pylons the same ones that Chaplin saw?" And the guy said, "Here's your fifty bucks." No, he's. I mean, you're looking at actual material, right? The Chaplin. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, they showed me the writers' row. Chaplin had writers. There were rooms filled. Wow. With writers, so ch- there's a lot of things about Chaplin that people don't know. Like he could talk. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people don't know that. And he wasn't in black and white. He was not in black and white. <laughs> oh bullshit! I don't want to listen to your goddamn revisionist nonsense. And he also stole a lot of bits from vaudeville, but that's right. Bit of a thief. Ah. Sticky fingers. Ooh, look at that guy. Good to know. But I love Chaplin. Yeah. And um, all right, well, let's move on to the, the next. I saw, saw a Grand Budapest Hotel. I saw the Grand Budapest Hotel, and I um, it is the new Wes Anderson film, uh, and it is everything that I love about Wes Anderson. It is, I, 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 you know, I don't know how wide this film is going. I don't think it's going that wide, which is disappointing. But uh, I don't know. I hope it does go wide. But it. It's just classic Wes Anderson. It's almost um, a cart. It's almost a cartoon fairy tale to a certain extent, but he uses just enough of that to really that doesn't get in the way of the storytelling and quirky characters like F. Murray Abraman and the story and how they tell the story. Is it more um, of a comedy than a dramedy that like he usually does? It's definitely more of a comedy. Okay. And and the the heavy moments in it, and there are a couple, like, because it kind of takes place in Europe at the end of the 30s when uh, the, sort of the a, a little backdrop is the Nazis <laughs> taking right. over. And so the way they deal with that is in, in, in somewhat of a comedic way. But then there's moments that are like out of nowhere. You're like, oh, wow, this is really heavy and intense. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I kind of like that personally that he would, he as a director was making that choice. Um, I I don't know. It was just uh, and he said it's in in uh, inspired by the works of uh, Stephen Zweig. So it just let me put it this way: if you if you love Wes Anderson, you're going to love this movie. Okay. If you're new to Wes Anderson and you've never se- seen much of his work, all right. But, I'm hit or miss on Wes Anderson. Do you mm-hmm. think I'll like this one? What? Tell me the Wes Anderson movies you really liked. I really liked um, Darjeeling Limited. Mm-hmm. Royal Tannenbaums. No, that's it. Darjeeling Limited. You didn't like Royal Tannenbaums. No. You didn't like Rushmore. No, but I did like. Okay, you're dumb. <laughs> no, I like Bottle Rocket, and I liked um, actually Fantastic Mr. Fox too. So I like those. He three. made Fantastic Mr. Fox with yeah. George Clooney. Uh-huh. That's an amazing. I know I, that right. was one of the best <laughs> movies of 2010. I love that movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. I mm-hmm. think you know, if you like Fantastic Mr. Fox and you like Darjeeling, I think you'll like this. Okay, cool. I think you'll like. I mean, I I love just about everything. The only one I didn't wasn't a huge fan of was uh, uh, Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Got it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think you'll like this because he's getting. 
the most out of these actors. He's showing, and they're very like Ralph Fiennes, and they speak in these very sort of, you know, grandiose, affluent, well-bred European ways, Mm -hmm. which is just sort of right in his wheelhouse in terms of dialogue. And they all carried up, but there was, but there was, but in almost like a fantastical setting, a fantastical setting, and but then having these characters did have depth to them, Mm -hmm. you know in this world that could easily a director could have made this and it could have come across as too too two dimensional or too charactery or not real enough because mm-hmm. it is a fantastical world but he kept enough of it in terms of the direction and the casting and the choices that the actors made to keep it rooted enough that you it, you, you kept going along for the ride there's a couple of moments it gets a little slow but for the most part i think i think you'd like it and and if you're new to Wes Anderson i would recommend going back and seeing Bottle Rocket, Rushmore is, is one of my favorite films, mm-hmm. um, and even the Royal Tenenbaums, and 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 watch this sort of. To me, it, it felt like and and um, uh, Moonrise. oh Moonrise Kingdom, I'm a big fan of too. See, I, I think if you like Moonrise Kingdom, then you're mm-hmm. definitely going to like this because cool. it's really kind of Moonrise Kingdom was very interesting in that he sort of went back to his basics. But from a like a, a more mature filmmaker standpoint, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. quirky, cartoonish, but not unbelievable, you right. know. And I think this has those sort of elements. So I think, and yeah, Moonrise Kingdom is an amazing film. I just want to go back to Fantastic Mr. Fox because I didn't know he made that. Ah. And one of the horrors of having children is they lie, and the other thing. <laughs> The legal bills alone, but the uh, <laughs> having to sit through those crappy movies. Yes, when so I the Muppets are a gift. Yeah, mm-hmm. you go. Oh yeah, I can go take them to a Muppets movie, and mm-hmm. I can have fun too. Same thing with the fantastic with Fantastic Mr. Yes. Fox. Mm-hmm. I would have gone to see that without my kids. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's like when a Pixar movie comes out. You see, you right. know, I'm bringing my kids, but there's a lot of people here without kids that are watching these movies. This, uh, I am a Dogma 95 kind of guy. My criticism of Wes Anderson is he's very soundtrack heavy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the music sometimes carries the emotion as opposed to the acting. Right. And I sometimes wonder if that's a cheat. Are you saying he pulls a Cameron Crow? Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, okay. So that's interesting. Is it a music video or a film? Right. Because it's very easy to be manipulated by by music in a movie, and I, I kind of push back on that. Really? Yes. What other? What other? Why? Why does that? Why does that bother you? Because you. I think. Well, I think original music is better than taking somebody else's song that we already know. It's a sense memory using somebody else's sense memory to move your audience. So I kind of object to. But then again, I never would have known who Nico was had it not been for Wes Anderson. Uh, <laughs> right, but the other thing, yeah, I, to to that's a good point. I, that is a that is a very good point because I would think like, all right, I, you just made it into the documentary. Yeah. <laughs> Take, <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying just read what's on the page. I, you know, that's the thing. That's the mistake I always make in documentaries is going off the script. <laughs> just get the words off the page. That's the key to a documentary. Well, the thing I wanted to talk about specifically with Rushmore, which is, again, a movie I really like, one of the things I liked about it is the soundtrack. Now, it does use a lot of 
you know, what are popular, but I, Mark Mothersbaugh was the, was the, the, uh, from Devo. Yeah. Was a musical director. And, and I think what he did, what Mark Mothersbaugh did, uh, and he's done this several times. These guys are fixing the lighting thing behind you. Um, is did they tape a yoga mat to my garage? <laughs> Now, which guys are the documentarians and which guys are from the NSA? I (laughs) can't figure that. Do they ever laugh? No. Okay. They shouldn't. Um, uh, uh, That's why I feel right at home here. (laughs) I don't hear any laughter. It's a room filled with people and just stone. Speaking of Rushmore, these guys. (laughs) That's Mount Rushmore. Um, Yeah. the music that he chose, that Mark Mothersbaugh chose for Rushmore, was um, he went with like or like he'd pick a Who song or something, but it was a, a track you probably weren't that familiar with, mm-hmm. and and so to me, I kind of had a similar thing of like, oh well, I learned about right, you know, all this stuff, or there was some there was some Jim Croce song on there that I, oh, I was like, I vaguely remember that and the way he used it. Not Operator, I never heard mm-hmm. that song. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know he. I didn't know. Would you help me place this call? Yeah. Um, okay, uh, so David, let's go into. You just got done writing for the Canadian Oscars. You've written for the American Oscars. Now I, I have a question, though. Uh, I would really want to know about the Canadian Oscars. The first question I have is. Um, is it a real thing? <laughs> it's called the CSAs, mm-hmm. the Canadian Screen Awards, and they've combined television with movies. So it's one big award. It would be like if the, the Emmys and the, the Oscars got together. Oh, mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Yeah. What time do they do it the same, roughly the they same? They do thing? it a week after the. So it's like the Golden Globes. Well, after. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. they combine TV and movies. Oh, right. Yeah. But they do celebrate work on both. You know, borders, uh, mm. America and the Arctic Circle. There's a lot of great work being done in the Arctic Circle. Those March Inuit the TV shows yeah. are hilarious. Um, so what now? What what constitutes a Canadian? It had to be shot there. It had Canadian actors, or how do they? Can they mostly financing. If it's okay. if it's produced in Canada and has mostly Canadian content, and it has to have socialized health care. Yes. Okay. And the Canadians are better than the Americans. And <laughs> as soon as we wake up and realize that, we'd be a much happier country. Right. Canadians are better than Americans. Right. They really are. They're healthier. They're better educated. Well, see, that makes me want to get my gun and shoot you in the face because that's my <laughs> God-given right to well, shoot do, someone because I'm crazy. Please shoot me in Canada so I can have the bullet wound tweet, tweeted. <laughs> That's what they do. They don't, they, don't, they, don't, they don't treat bullet wounds. They tweet them. They, oh, they just hashtag suture. <laughs> <laughs> trending, trending right trending, now. Yeah. Uh, bullet removal. Trending, psychopath. Um, uh-huh. So, well, well, then, so how many uh, American Oscars have you written for? I wrote, the one that I'm most proud of is the one I wrote for Steve Martin and Alec Baldwin. Oh, we'll that was a great one. Which yeah. was great. Yeah. That was great. That well, was great. Well, talk about what was the difference having done several American ones and doing a Canadian one. What did you know? Was is there much of a difference, or is it pretty much like same, similar, like movie monologue jokes? And then, you know, uh, how do you be mean without anybody knowing you're mean? That's the key to a good joke, right? How do you write jokes that are roasty, but nobody says this sounds a little roasty to me because mm-hmm. I. 
I work on the roasts, and those are brutal. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing the roasts for a long time, and I write for Triumph, the Insult Dog comic. Those are pure jokes. They're id. It's mm-hmm. from the dark recesses of your brain. Then everything flows from that. All other work in terms of writing flows from the meanest, cruelest thing you can possibly say. Mm-hmm. So how do you just add layers to the hate? <laughs> if, if, like, if, how do you dress it up? How do you, sweet, yeah. how do you sweeten it up a little bit? How do you, if you're, if you're writing for a television show that's on at eight o'clock, mm-hmm. how do you keep the hate, but nobody sees it? How do you keep the violence in the joke, but nobody realizes how violent it truly is? Give, give us an example. I, I don't know. I can't give you an example, but I'll tell you, I think the Muppets, if you... If you watch the Muppets, there's the, there's violence there that you just don't see. There's hate there that you don't see, but it's there. So you're saying award shows are like the movie The Purge? <laughs> once a year, every- <laughs> yeah, they're all all the women are in the bathroom purging. <laughs> <laughs> but that's if if there's great writing, great comedy. There's some real hateful stuff going on that you just can't you can't see it. Like, what's the structure like with writing for the? Uh, where is it different? Writing for the Canadian Oscars and the American a Oscars? A joke is, is a joke. It it's, it's guys. It's it's, it's you're writing. You still have a writers' room. It's all that you're writing as many jokes as you possibly can and trying mm-hmm. to get the love from the host that you didn't get from your father. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically and, the But dynamic. generally, they're also celebrity hosts, too. So they're celebrity hosts, so your brain tends to jam up and mm-hmm. get intimidated. And you feel like you have Alzheimer's because you're, you can't think straight because you're in awe of the guy or girl you're... Well, well then, was there anything content-wise in terms of Canadian TV versus American TV in terms of like, oh, you can't make that joke? Or- I was surprised by uh, how politically incorrect you could be in Canada as opposed to America. Because I, my prejudice against liberals, and I happen to be one, is that we don't find certain things funny. Right. We're always going, well, who's the victim here? Who's the victim yeah, here? Yeah, we always got white, white liberals are always getting offended on everybody else's behalf. Right. Right. And they can right. be some of the most difficult audiences to perform comedy in front of because they go, ooh, and they, they're all intense and like, oh, I don't want to laugh at that. So somebody thinks I'm a racist or whatever. Right. It's like, just shut the fuck up and laugh. Right. Right. And Canada is an overtly pluralistic society. I mean, they, it's almost like they have quotas. They're very much proud of the fact that. We're going out of our way to include all ethnicities, and mm-hmm. whereas in America we're not, so they're more willing to laugh at politically incorrect jokes. I just realized this that they're more willing in Canada to laugh at politically incorrect jokes because they don't feel guilty about that kind of stuff. Whereas in America, this is a racist country. Mm-hmm. And thank God. No, this is... <laughs> all right. Here, here. <laughs> We're a racist country, so the, the easiest thing for us to do is be offended by a joke as opposed to making sure that black and Hispanic kids get the education that white kids do. That requires heavy lifting. So I'll just be offended by a joke and then move on. Ah. I, I Thank you. This was very helpful. 
<laughs> working through some stuff. Awesome. Yeah. I'm working on the uh, Mexican Academy Awards uh, next week. <laughs> and, well, let's let's talk for about, free for free. I'm taking jobs away from hardworking Mexican comedy writers. <laughs> I'm doing it just to. <laughs> By the way, do you know that there is no? I, this is off the subject, but. Mexicans have stopped coming to America. This whole thing about illegal immigrants, it's its just the number of illegal immigrants coming into America has just dropped precipitously. Right. And is, there's more is that elite- because of the Canadian Academy Awards? Mm-hmm. Well, no, you honestly know there's this is why that well, this is a whole that's another show. Let's it's ju- another show, but real, there's more illegal Canadians in this country, yes, than people from Central and South America. That's why that whole the that's such a there's so much, yeah. as you said, it's there's so much racism, and they're all on it. television. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and playing hockey. Yeah. Um, so this, like, yeah. The Canadians talk. are like the oh, Jews. Martin now, Short. Canadian, to me, Canadians are like Jews. They're among us, but you're not sure who they are. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have horns on their head like the way, like the way Jews do. I'm quoting. I'm quoting. Um, right, well, let me, I want to ask you this, though. Um, because it's been several years. You were on our show when we first did it, the first year. Yeah, yeah. This is like yeah. four years ago. And you had just done yeah. the Oscars with Alec Baldwin and Steve yeah. Martin. So talk about what that experience was was like in terms of- well, Why don't you just replay that episode, yeah. motherfucker? <laughs> it was 190 episodes. <laughs> and I think, honestly, it was before we had a soundboard. That was one of our last- when we just had the microphone. So it might have been in mono and the, one yeah, earbud mic- or whatever. The, the when sound we were- quality blows. On that episode, so all right, but and it's were, mainly because your voice is dumb. But that's these are technical. Well, these are my techni- voice is dumb. Those are technical things. I don't kill the messenger. <laughs> you're saying that I have a dumb voice. <laughs> that's what's, okay, that's what the schematic said. So you're saying his voice doesn't understand stereo, <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay. No, but go into that. Go into what that was like working on that Oscars with those two guys. Uh, it's it's work. It's great. It's. Every writing job that you do is is very tense because it's competitive, and you can't be competitive, but it's competitive. And competitive in terms of all the writers are sort of fighting to get their jokes on the air kind of a thing, or? In a way. you have to, I mean, just because you get the job doesn't mean you stop pitching. You pitch all the time. Yeah. You're yeah. constantly pitching in a writer's room. Yeah. And men tend to be competitive, and it's a bad thing to be. It's really, competition is bad doesn't make you better. It makes you worse. It really does. The older I get, the more I realize that if you stop competing, you win. You win more. But right. Americans... But then how would we do the Olympics? Well, yeah. I'm not so sure the people who get the, the gold are competitive. I think they're just trying to be the best. And I find that hard to believe. That elite athletes aren't competitive? I don't know. And that women aren't competitive? Competitive? Don't get me started on women. Jeez. <laughs> my wife is... That very, tangent my just wife, a tangent. No, no, my wife is incredibly... Like, look how bigger my clitoris is than yours. <laughs> well, I just had the skin graft, honey. It's going to take a while for this thing to, to blossom. It's not fair. It's not yeah. fair. <laughs> All right, so back to the writer's room. Um so the happiest I am in a writer's room, there are two shows being written on any show I work on. There's the show that the audience sees, and then there's the show in the writer's room where the boss has to say, close the door. Nobody else can hear what we're talking about. 
<laughs> and when 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 you're in the it's you know when everybody this closed network of guys and girls who are mentally ill making the most horrific jokes right it's heaven it really is it's the closest there is uh to heaven because uh i'm dead inside (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what that meant no i know what you i do know what you mean when when comedians are alone and are making you know making of like the most offensive jokes and it's not about the actual subject matter it's Mm -hmm. about how far can you go with it right and there's always a speaking of being competitive that's that's a race to the bottom a lot of times when you have <laughs> to, to me to me for me personally I don't I'm not talking about writers room where you know keeping your job and getting new jobs is at stake I'm just talking about when comics are hanging out riffing and I don't I've never viewed that as being competitive in that environment no. because I'm just like I just feel like it's just like a jam session. Right. Like I want you to make, I want to hear what you say. Cause I know I'm going to fall out of my chair when you say it. I want to laugh that hard. Right. And I want to say something to make you laugh that hard, but I'm not, I'm not sitting there. I me personally, I can't speak for other comedians, but I'm not sitting there going, Oh, I got it. I view it as a constant competition. Well, see, that's why you're, you need to listen to Feldman and let yeah, the I am. This is what I know as a fact. Comedians are much more fun to be around than comedy writers. Comedy writers are much more bitter than comedians are. You can run into a comic who's playing cruise ships and co- on the condo circuit and is a complete failure in his own mind that he never got what he wanted in show right. business. And he's still happy. He's still getting up and doing it, and he's not bitter. I, I rarely see comics who are as bitter as multi-millionaire comedy writers <laughs> I, I, who, I, who I are can just, you, they're just because yeah. they're, everything <laughs> they think is being filtered through other writers, actors, studio chiefs. Well, let, a, let's a, except for their bank account, and that yeah. that stays the well, same. Well, but, let's get into but, that. But though. that's also a really personal thing too. Like I, uh, like you know, all comedians have that bit of insecurity on them too. Sure. So you kind of see it a lot of times as a, sometimes a competition that isn't really there. That's actually something. Yeah, a lot I of comics sometimes. think everyone's out to get them. It's like nobody yeah. even knows who you are. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, right? it's uh, th- that's yeah, that's the other side of it too. There's the kind of that fear and the. Um, paranoia and persecution complex too mm-hmm. so there's always that kind of weird tweaks that we all kind of have in our personalities that uh, generally need a little work mm-hmm. you know <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I do want to get into that excuse me for one second there's justice in comedy there's no justice as a comedy writer you can ha- stand up is pure it's garbage in garbage at the the more work you put into your act the bigger the laughs you get you can be a comedy writer, a screenwriter, and you can kill yourself and, and work 26 hours a day, and the, there's no guarantee that there'll be any justice. It's almost, oh, right. it's almost impossible to find justice as a, as a television writer. Well, I want to get into this because, you know, as we're making this documentary and we were just, just talking, uh, you know, before the show about... Um, 
you know, running a podcast and you were saying being an entrepreneur is really hard and it is, it's, it's a lot of work. Like doing this Kickstarter campaign was crazy work. It was a heart. We almost all had heart attacks, but then it is so empowering because one of the, then you needed a jump starter campaign to get your heart. (laughs) There's a, you know, to talk about what you're saying is when you go through the system, the system hasn't changed for many, many years and it's still the same. And everything you just said is, is very true. The good news now is that there is another way. It's another way. It's a much more difficult road to hoe as we've found everything from podcasting to kickstarting. But at the end of the day, no matter how difficult it is, there's no there's no one telling us what that's, we have to do or what we can't do. That's the do thing I say all the time. Our, there, there's no one controlling our content. Because would I, would I like to get union writer money? Of course. Would I like to have my health benefits and have an actual pension like you get writing for union TV shows? Sure. Could well, we have, would, would we like another $300,000 to shoot the documentary? Of, of course co- we would. Of course would. we would. But then I think I watch, you know, certain TV shows or whatever with people who I know are funny and I'm watching this final product and I'm like, man. Mm-hmm. And I can just smell the network notes. How many filters how it many goes filters, through. And, and I'm like, and that's what I say to people because I, I haven't had an agent or manager in several years. Would I like to be auditioning for sitcoms? Of course. Could I use that money? Of course. But at the end of the day, there's Chris and I have no, nobody's coming in here and saying, you can't say that. You got to cut out that joke that Feldman made about meat curtains or whatever. Like, if, yeah, by the way, could you cut that out? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, somebody's going to say that before the end of the show. Right. But it'll be one out. of us. Yeah. It won't be someone else. It'll be me going, his dumb voice is ruining our podcast and the documentary. These cameras are bleeding from his stupidity. Like, that's a whole different thing. I've never seen stigmata on a camera lens before. Um, From some dumbness coming out of someone's mouth. Their stupid mouth is ruining everything. (laughs) But I mean, even that, like... It's a miracle. It's, it's, you know, we've had, you know, big name people on this show or whatever, and I don't have their people going, ooh, you can't. It's like, no, 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 no. We don't even deal with them. We don't even deal with agents when we book the podcast festival. Like we just do, we just we just have said no to that, and and even when I'm on the road, and like you say, and I'm I'm doing some show uh, on a cruise ship or in the middle of nowhere, and I'm like, oh god, I got to do a late show Friday, and there's but there's a, an audience, right? There's an audience, right. and I am still instant, still instant feedback. Uh, it's instant yeah. feedback, and I'm still doing what I want to do, even if it's like, oh, I got to do more dick jokes for the late show Friday. They're still mine, right? They're my dick jokes, you know, and 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 I and I wrote them, and I don't feel like. You know, I'm playing a bar tonight downtown. If there are two people who are there, I'll be lucky. I mean, but I'm I'm like excited about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, oh wow, I got I have a show tonight. You're looking at me like, who books that? Yeah, who books that gig? <laughs> no, but I remember you and I worked in in Tahoe about a year or so ago, mm-hmm. and you had said to me, you were like, man, I've spent so much time learning how to be funny in a writer's room which is a different skill set. That's right. different than being on a stage. That's being on, on a stage. Right. and you're Because right. you were like, man, I haven't been on stage in a while. Right. And so, um, but again, it's, 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 it's a skill set, which I understand in terms of like, there's more steady money in it. What? It's in, in the writers. In terms I think there's more steady money. Honestly, I think there's more steady money as a stand-up. Yeah. Because the, you, there's, you're, you can always work as a stand-up. Every few right. weeks, your contract is up for renewal or cancellation in a writer's room. You, no one's getting that year-long contract if the right. show goes or whatever. It's right. I, don't, I mean, when I was on, I worked on a soap opera. It was literally 13 weeks. 
You worked yeah. on a soap opera? I did. I worked on a soap opera. I worked on Port Charles. And it was literally, the contracts were 13 weeks at a time. Wow. You wrote on a yeah. soap mm-hmm. opera? Wow. Yeah, it was great. And you worked at home. There was no writer's room. I was just a dialogue writer. It was so I actually was, I, I was on the road with the improv, with my laptop, writing for the soap and doing shows at night. That's was great. fantastic. Yeah. Amazing. And then I got fired. I got fired for the same reason I got hired. The head writer hired me and said, look, your writing has a very distinct voice. So even if I don't see your name on the script, when I read it, I want to know you wrote it. So, you know, things are going great. Then the head writer leaves and didn't get along with the executive producer. Executive producer brings me into the office and goes, hey, your writing has a very distinct voice. We don't want to hear it. He really said that. Yeah. We want all the writing to sound the same, which is great for a TV show. You want all the writing to sound mm-hmm. exactly the same. <laughs> right. And then the show got canceled shortly after they fired um, her and a bunch of other. They cleaned house. Whoever that had writer that the executive producer didn't like, they got rid of. That's another thing. We don't yeah. have to deal. We don't have to mm-hmm. deal with. In, in executive politics. The executive politics. Yeah. Like your show's about to be greenlit. Oh, that executive's gone. Like who, what, what, what? Like, we're part of All Things Comedy Network. So right. if Al Madrigal and Bill Burr, who I think are running a great network, decide they cancel that or sell it, we're going to still do our fucking show. Yeah. Yeah. We, right. we, we, had, we didn't have a network before them. Yeah, our podcast <laughs> doesn't go in turnaround. <laughs> no, man. Right. Like, none of that. So it's... it's uh, now, why don't Bill Burr and Madrigal get along? What's, what's the story there? What? <laughs> <laughs> are you trying to cause controversy? Yeah. yeah. No, I'm just, I just heard Bill Burr. All just, things controversy? I heard he hates Madrigal. No, he hates you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> but he said Madrigal's stealing from him. In the- <laughs> <laughs> You're the worst. You're that's the what I heard. We'll, we'll ask him about that when we interview them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, what, that's the rumor that... Yeah. Oh, yeah. At horrible. the Canadian Oscars, that's all anyone that's was all talking anyone about. That's all anyone was talking about. <laughs> They were saying, I heard all things comedy is about to go under. That's what they kept saying. Uh, so, all right, we got to move on to DVDs Let's now. go to DVDs. The, the Wolf of Wall Street is coming out on DVD. And I will say that was a um, great improv satire drama comedy based on a true life story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, a far, that's far too long. If you didn't see this in the theaters... Um, you know, this is a fine DVD to watch. Yeah, it is. It was a good Scorsese movie, a fantastic David O. Russell movie. If right. David O. Russell had made it, you go, wow, I that is amazing. Because it, it, <laughs> good for him. It was the kind of movie where I, the only problem I had with it really is it didn't know what it wanted to be. Is it satire? Is it comedy? Is it, it you know, I know. And it's 30 minutes too long. And it's, uh, yeah, and it's 30 minutes too long. And Here's the thing about Scorsese. It's pronounced Scorsese. <laughs> Here's the other thing about Scorchese. <laughs> his movies, you can walk out of one of his movies and go, just missed. And then five years later, it'll be on television. And you'll go, well, I like that scene. Well, that scene was pretty good, right. too. And then three hours later, you're going, you know, it doesn't all add up, but it's a pretty amazing. I remember walking out of Goodfellas and Casino, which I have now seen each of those movies probably a thousand times. Mm-hmm. I remember walking out of those two movies and thinking, just missed. Could have been a great movie. And then you watch it at home and you go, that is. He's one of those guys who. It grows on you. It's it grows kind of, it's, on it's, you. It's, it's kind of the way I personally feel about like Clint Eastwood or whatever. Like his near misses are still amazing. And, and many of his films 
hold up over time. Like I loved Goodfellas when it came out, thought it was amazing. And Casino, I was like, eh, it's like right. Goodfellas light, it's Goodfellas in the West. And then you again, I've seen that I've seen good I've seen Casino a bunch of times on right. TV and I'm like <laughs> Yeah. These scenes are amazing. Yeah. You like, know, Alec Baldwin said something about movies that they're a series of moments. Yes. That's all they are. Right. And that when you break them down into the components of these individual scenes, are there more greater mo- are there greater moments than there are bad moments? Yeah. Well, that's what our lives are. Yeah, what are our lives? And this a is series a great of moments. Moment. Yes. Yes. This is For a great moment. This is a horrible moment. Okay, I'll put my pants back yeah. on. <laughs> this is a bad. This is the kind of the moment where you're like, why? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to show you the clitoris. <laughs> How many guests have had a, a, a clitoris grafted to their neck where their Adam's apple used to be? Bruce Jenner and I have been getting our Adam's apple shaved because we're in transition, or as we call it in Hollywood, turnaround. <laughs> and uh, I figured God. if I'm going to have a divot where my Adam's uh-huh. apple used to be, why not put a clitoris there? Great idea. Linda Lovelace had one on did, the inside. Did, <laughs> I want one on the outside, so... And I have the only clitoris with two testicles. <laughs> Sounds perfectly reasonable. <laughs> this is when I wish we did have a network executive detective. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's like, you need to cut that part out. You've got to cut that part out. And then what we'll do is we'll pretend to argue, <laughs> yeah. and then we'll go back and go, oh, thank, thank God. God. Thank God, yeah. We'll go, David, we fought for it. <laughs> but the balls on your clitoris on your neck, yeah. we had to... Uh, we had to, we had to Goddamn suits. They made us take that out. By the way... We thought it was great. <laughs> Don't make me sneeze because I'm a squirter. Oh, but that I'm <laughs> Take cutting. that out. That Take I'm cutting that out. out. That I'm yeah. cutting out. Um, Are you really going to cut that out? I'm going to cut out anything of or having to do with you. Okay, good. <laughs> for, the rest of, for the rest of time. <laughs> I have, so no, I, we're not cutting that out. You know the bitter Buddha? Yes. Eddie yeah. Pepitone. Yeah, of course. You I discovered Eddie Pepitone. Eddie Pepitone lived underneath a bridge. And I found Eddie. And he wouldn't pe- let passersby go without That's, paying a toll? Yes. <laughs> and I discovered him. And I, and I put him on my podcast and turned him into a star. And let me be even more frank, if I may. He was the greatest piece of ass I've ever had. <laughs> and I've had him all over the world. The Godfather. But, and so they did a documentary about Eddie Pepitone called The Bitter Buddha. Yeah, yeah. And they shot in my studio at the radio station mm-hmm. and... I ended up. Would on you the, like a signed copy? We have signed copies. I have a couple, <laughs> and I I was filmed. I would say they shot me five days with Eddie, mm-hmm. but schmuck that I am, I kept looking at the camera as a joke. Every time I talked to Eddie, I would stare right at the camera, and they I I didn't end up on the. On Were the you on outtakes? Good for not you. even outtakes. <laughs> you weren't even the. So I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look at the cameras mm-hmm. here. You know what Eddie Pepitone just called? He wants us to take that part out. Oh, really? Yeah. We got to cut that part yeah. out. Funniest man. I love Eddie Pepitone. He's hilarious. He's great. Um, so, all right, we'll talk about Walking with Dinosaurs 3D. I did actually see this. Um, this was a terrible movie. It's what happens when um, basically special effects people uh, get to make their own movie without any um, directors or writers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's kind of what happened. You have dinosaurs that talk, but their mouths don't move. And a story that makes no sense as Carl Urban in the beginning. And then we go to Dinosaur Times and a really annoying bird played by John Leguizamo. Uh, skip it. See their specials. Their BBC specials are amazing. This movie is awful, so skip is it, it. Is it IMAX? Can you see it in IMAX? Uh, it was, we saw it in 3D. I don't know if it was IMAX or not. 
All right. Uh, Delivery Man. This is the Vince Vaughn movie. This is a Vince Vaughn movie. It's based on a, uh, a European film called Starbuck. Uh, it's the same writer on both. Um, so I don't know. I haven't seen Delivery Man. You know, I don't know. He I like Vince Vaughn. Got, he might have just gotten a writing credit because he did right, the original one. Right, because he did one. the original yeah. one. So uh, I don't know. It feels like Starbuck. And there, there's actually a, uh, a Jackie Chan movie that he directed coming out called Chinese Zodiac. Mm. So did, did we see clips of this with, uh, I think we did. with Rick Myers? Yeah. This will be probably one of those movies that, again, will have a limited release. So if right. you find it, check it out. I'm mm-hmm. going to watch it. Okay. Well, no, you're not, because what's coming out this weekend, no. you are not going to miss this. I cannot wait for this movie. I'm hoping that it is near me in a movie theater, because I'm not sure it's going to be very limited release. Mm-hmm. The Raid 2. Oh. I've heard Rick Myers actually, I haven't read his review, but he emailed me to let me know that he watched a screening of it in New York. And I think I posted, this is the only time I'd ever want to live yeah, in Yeah, with the filmmakers were there too. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm so fired up to see this. I've heard, I've heard. I've heard it's amazing. Heard it's yeah, amazing. yeah. It's, really, really want to see it. I can't wait to see The Raid 2. And it also, it opens up too. It's not just like one kind of right. building that goes floor right. to floor like the first one was. It more... Uh, there's more locations, more mm-hmm. everything. There's more story. And uh, I heard a rumor, I don't know if this is true or not, but that um, the filmmaker, this is the first movie he really wanted to make, but he didn't have the budget for it. So he kind of made the raid as like a prequel to this movie because he could do it cheaper and in one location. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's true or not, but if I it hope. is, it's a it's a great story. Um, so, and the other movie coming out is Cesar Chavez. Now this is not a documentary. This is an actual, it's a narrative uh, film. Michael so, Pena. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. It's a, a, a Caesar Chavez. Caesar Chavez. Is, uh, I know I can't pronounce names at all. Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> Gerard Depardieu. <Depi. laughs> It's an amazing story, so I hope they handle it correctly. Well, well the somebody might have skimmed through a screener. It doesn't do justice to who Caesar Chavez was. Really, mm-hmm. who was a great man. Unfortunately. Most people know of Cesar Chavez Boulevard, but they don't know who Cesar Chavez is. Mm-hmm. Most people, they don't, they, the kids aren't taught who Cesar Chavez is because they don't teach about unions and the plight of farm workers in our schools because that would embarrass the plutocrats who <laughs> control our brains. But he tried to unionize the people who pick your grapes and your mm-hmm. lettuce, and you should know who's touching your food. <laughs> they don't want us to know that there are human beings who right. touch our food. And what the, and he fought for so many rights. Like he right. and and I'm sure they're well, I'm curious to see it. Like yeah. you said it doesn't touch enough, so well, I'll still want to see it. Would you say the movie's kind of like a good introduction to Caesar it's Chavez? It's like a TV version. The problem is that Caesar Chavez for all his greatness believed in an afterlife. So the United Farm Workers, they've not succeeded because they focus too much on martyrdom and not enough on success. Really? Well, yeah. I mean, how many union contracts are there for your food? Very little. But then again, you can blame Reagan and greed in this country. But is and clearly, you say religion too. You think that sank it? The the fact that he the, believed the, the, in religion. Well, the criticism was that he focused too much on the martyrdom and not enough on organizing. But these are people who, I mean, the migrant workers are, they need help from the government. And Bobby Kennedy understood that, as did Ethel Kennedy. Uh, So unionizing 
farm workers is like there's a movement now to unionize nannies in the state of California. Well, good luck with that. I mean, the people who have the least need the most help. Of course. So. Of course. All right. Well, I'm, I'm so curious Caesar to see But seriously, my clitoris on my <laughs> Adam's apple. <laughs> nice. And also Noah is coming out. This is Darren Aronofsky's yes. film. I, I don't, with Russell Crowe. With Russell Crowe. This could, I watch the trailer and every time I go, I don't know, could this be amazing or is this going to be? Could, a, I, um, a, could I just make a request to our fans right now? I'd like you to take the Noah poster and substitute the spear with a phone. And I want to see that. <laughs> That poster. And he throws the phone at somebody's head. (laughs) At the water. Yeah. That's a good idea. (laughs) All right. Well, that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Thank you so much to David Feldman for being on the program. David, where can people find you on the internet, listen to your podcast? And possibly in the movie. Possibly. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can hear the David Feldman show on iTunes. And if you write to me and say you subscribed to my podcast, I will send you a Made in Los Estados Unidos bumper sticker. Nice. Oh, cool. That we may, that's if you subscribe to my podcast on iTunes, just email me and I'll send you a bumper now sticker. Where would they, how do they contact you? Where do they email Hey, I don't want address? to have to give these fucking bumper stickers away. <laughs> Come on, man. I got kids. I got, uh, DavidFeldmanShow.com. Mm-hmm. If you subscribe, we... We'll send you a bumper sticker. And Chris cool. and I have both been on this show. We did it's a, a great show. It's, it's fun really show. fun. Well, and you, you do all different stuff. You do everything from political to entertainment to music, right? We do everything. And, um, that's our show. Uh, of course, uh, this Sunday, um, March 30th at the Improv, the Improv Comedy yeah. Club in Hollywood, 8162 Melrose, from 1 to 5 p.m. Come and be interviewed for the documentary. We really want to hear your story. We really do. Want to so, hear? We want to uh, hear. Come on down. Any, even if it's just quick, like this is why I love podcasting, or this is how I listen to it, or whatever. Just just a five ten minute interview. So please come down. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to just say something. No. Uh, <laughs> Everybody has a podcast, mm-hmm. but they don't last long. You guys have been doing this for more than four years. You guys get better every day. You really do. And and the, the not just the fact that you lasted this long, you, you, any idiot would have to get better doing it, you know, four years. <laughs> and you guys are just fantastic. I mean, and, and I told some friends I was doing the show and they listened to it. And, uh, you know, th- uh, thank you for having me on the show. And everybody has a podcast for one or two episodes. Right. They don't understand how much work it is. I think right. anyone who's like, oh, I want to do a podcast and be, get a TV show like Mark Maron, it's like, right. okay. Well, thank you, David. And this will definitely be in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for sticking to the script. Um, yeah, uh, yes. And of course, guys, then uh, Sunday night, March 30th at 7 p.m. at Flappers Comedy Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will be headlining. Chris will be on the show. Morgan Murphy, Andy Wood. Check that out. Those tour dates, of course, are all at ComedyFilmers.com and GrahamElwood.com. Yes. Um, and Can I also mention one other thing? Sure. My grandmother died under mysterious circumstances. <laughs> Does that have any... That's not going to end up on the document. Did she have a podcast? You are, you are by and large, the most... I am by the, the, and the, large. The Thank best, you. <laughs> the best, the most amazing and and dumbest guest I've ever... <laughs> like, I have. I, I told my children, I'm serious. Is if you want to be a happy human being, read all day and behave like a two year old. 
just spend 12 hours a day reading and then the other 12 hours acting like a two-year-old and you'll be happy that's great advice that's great advice (laughs) i just shit myself yeah Like a, like a two-year-old. Like a two-year-old yeah. that's uh, reading the newspaper. Hey, does a two-year-old have a clitoris that looks like this? <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. Oh. Um, all right, so that's our program. It'll grow. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I have like a baby clitoris. This is going to be grow. a 20-minute episode. <laughs> We're going to have to cut this out. There's just going to be him introducing it. Saying, uh, saying how great we are, and then yeah, that's and then, it. <laughs> and then his website, yeah, and then that's that's the episode. Uh, all right, thank you so much, David Feldman. Um, my name is Graham Elwood. I'm Chris Mancini, and as always, remember Han, Han shot, shot first. first in the clitoris. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>